Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talked to Miranda Tesh of The Athletic with Winnipeg Jets training camp just around the corner. We'll preview that as well as look back on what went wrong with Sammy Niku's time in Winnipeg. That's coming up on the podcast. Let's turn our attention back to the Winnipeg Jets. Training camp opens on Thursday. And to talk about all things Jets, we're joined by Murad Atesh of The Athletic. Murad, how does it feel to be back covering hockey in person and not doing Zoom calls anymore? <laughs> you know, I'm sure there, there'll be a, a Zoom or two as the, as the year goes by. Uh, hopefully we're all just veterans of that. But to be, you know, at the rink watching minicamp uh, over the past week and getting excited for Jets camp proper on Thursday, I think it's been a reminder to all of us who are so lucky to be able to do that, that Hockey is a really cool game. The skill, the intensity of it, the competitive competition. I mean, we're lucky to do what we get to do, and it's been so good to be back. So the pro mini camp ran from mid last week to yesterday. Any big takeaways from your perspective on what you saw? Well, I always hesitate to make too big of a leap from a minicamp type situation. So if you listen to Paul Maurice talk about his goals for minicamp, it was really to get a lot of these younger players, you know, like a Cole Perfetti, Ville Hainala, Dylan Sandberg, David Gustafson, these up and coming probable important cogs in the Winnipeg Jets team up to speed and get them their touches and get them familiar with everything they need to know before Jets camp begins in earnest on Thursday. And so I think that was the goal. I, I, I don't necessarily think that they had such competitive drills that we can say, okay, this guy handles pressure that way or what have you. Uh, but I will say, you know, Ville handled at speed in, in every direction, whether he wanted to turn backwards in front of him, shift side to side. I, I thought he was skating particularly well. You could really see Dylan Sandberg shine when they got into battling situations. I mean, he's a, I think it's six foot four. He's certainly a, a big guy and has the mobility as well. You know, I think the kids are all right. And after a little ways, uh, a little while of there being kind of a question mark about top prospects in Winnipeg, because so many had played for the Jets, whether it was Line A, Ehlers, Connor, all the way through the line, you know, I think that there's a next wave now that uh, Jets fans can get realistically excited about. Now, the names you're mentioning, like Hanela, Samberg, uh, Jonathan Kovacevic, I think was a name that flew under the radar for a lot of people last year. And then up front, the likes of Gustafson. Veselainen, and even Perfetti. Looking ahead to training camp now, are these names that we should be looking out for this year, or is this more of a maybe 2022 or 23 or 24 situation? Well, I think that in most of those cases, we're thinking about next year or beyond. So, I mean, the most exciting name on that list is Cole Perfetti. Winnipeg was so fortunate to be able to draft him at 10th overall last year, and I think he was a renowned consensus top five pick, and things just broke right for the Jets. You know, he had a phenomenal season with the Manitoba Moose last year, um, started by putting up points on the power play and over time. Then as the year went by, it was even strength two where he was really able to make his mark. I still think he has a bit uh, to grow in terms of his all-around game, in terms of his size, strength, and speed, uh, to really make an impact at the NHL level, especially because he's not going to take a top-six job from a Blake Wheeler, a Mark Shifley, an Ehlers, a Connor, a Pierre-Luc Dubois, a Paul Stastny. I, I think he's going to start for the Manitoba Moose. You might see, though, I mean, Christian Veselainen, uh, the big, strong Finn with the great shot, 
Uh, he's going to have a good long look as a possible third line right winger with Andrew Kopp and uh, Adam Lowry. He might end up on the fourth line as well, but I think he'll be a full-time NHLer this year. David Gustafson is right in the mix. Now, he's such a cerebral player, could be a middle six center someday, could be you know a really stalwart two-way player. Uh, he's in the mix for fourth line center or uh, one of the defensive responsibilities on the team as well. Um, and then on the back end, I mean, Christian, we've talked about this the, the moves Winnipeg made to add a Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt really round out the top four. I really think what that does to Billy Hanel and Dylan Sandberg is it says no matter how good of a camp you have, you're starring in the AHL this year for the Manitoba Moose, who are going to be a very good hockey club. I don't think that there's very much room for them to usurp anybody's NHL job, which just makes the future bright, uh, if a little frustrating for those guys who want to see those guys play in the NHL right away. Well, and we'll get to the full camp in a moment, but just the transition naturally from that is to Sammy Niku, who is, he's not on the Jets anymore. He was placed on waivers. He cleared waivers. He's a free agent now. And he was the AHL defenseman of the year in his rookie year, 2017-18. And then for a variety of reasons, whether it be not able to stay healthy or not able to get a footing in the NHL, not getting a long enough run in a stable situation, whatever it is, the free Niku movement results in him being freed from his contract, which none of us saw coming in 2018. How do you see this? I don't know. Saga might be overblowing it, but this story for Niku over the last three years, how it played out and can it inform at all the club going forward with other prospects? I just think you framed that question so well, Christian, because the, the thing that I see when people respond to the Sammy Niku news is kind of flags planted on either side, planted on either side, pardon me, that either the Winnipeg Jets completely bungled Sammy Niku's development. He was, a just like you say, the AHL Defenseman of the Year in 2017-18. Not the Rookie Defenseman of the Year, not the Rookie of the Year, but the Defenseman of the Year. He was excellent scoring 54 points in 76 games offensively he was just a wonderful player and he was doing things to ahl defenses that you see kale mccarr do to the nhl right now so agile at the line so aggressive uh, and he was able to make plays and produce points from that perspective and then on the other side of the the ledger you hear people with the single sentence hot takes well you know he never practiced hard enough he he left practice too early that sort of thing as well and i think that you know, there's a longer story that that involves multiple parts, just like you framed in the question. So, yeah, absolutely, he had a stellar 2017-18. It was it was just a wonderful AHL season. Absolutely, um, he was not really able to claim a full-time NHL job after that. So you can deep dive into to why that may have been. I mean, there are seasons when Joe Morrow um, play, plays over him on the third pairing. There was one season heading into 2018-19 where there was a huge hole available beside Dustin Bufflin on that second pair. And there's a bit of a question as to who is going to get that job. Ultimately, it was Ben Sherratt who went on to tremendous success in Montreal, learning those lessons from Winnipeg that he was able to develop alongside Dustin Bufflin and applying them elsewhere. I think the Jets probably correctly identified Sherrod as a superior player, but on the flip side of that, um, Sherrod then went on to sign in Montreal and, and burn the Jets in the postseason this past year, whereas Joe Morrow, who played on the third pairing, was long gone as well. Um, and then it kind of goes on like that. Niku has an injury heading into training camp in a, in a car crash situation. He hurts his ankle playing uh, soccer in a, in a warm-up outside, uh, you know, getting ready for a game at one point. Things generally don't work out particularly well for him. When he does get onto the ice, 
Um, it's touch and go. His off- offensive game is there, um, largely. His defensive game really isn't. And I can go back to, I believe it was uh, January uh, of 2020, just before things shut down, um, where it was a game against the New York Rangers at Bell MTS Place, as it was called then, where he made, Miku was tracking back to cover a, a Chris Kreider rush against the New York Rangers, and he made such a wishful back check uh, against Kreider, who's a much bigger, stronger, more powerful player. Uh, it was referenced in the post-game presser by Paul Maurice, and then he played one more game with his minutes wildly reduced before eventually being demoted and his minutes were run out as well. Um, there's so much to this story, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It's a player that never quite seized his job. It's also a player that never quite got put into a terrific situation to be that developmental player, let's say alongside a Dustin Bufflin, et cetera, and somebody who never took that lesson and then turned into the practice war horse that he probably needed to be to win people over who weren't quite sold on him. And I think there's a lot of angles to it. And just to end the thought, because it's quite a monologue I've just given you on Sammy Niku, it absolutely <clears throat> is a situation that the Jets need to learn from because perhaps Sammy Niku was never going to become a top four defenseman in the NHL. And clearly right now, free agent as he is, there are NHL teams completely doubting his ability to play in that league at all. Um, but there is a next wave of young players. You do have Ville Hainalov who will be in the AHL this year. You do have Dylan Sandberg who will be in the AHL this year, unless injuries pave the way for these players. And I think that what the Jets need to learn from that is that consistent minutes in a good situation, whatever league that is in, is, a, is so important for players at this age. And Niku, due to injury, due to not quite winning folks over, never got that in the NHL. Um, Ville Hanel and Dylan Sandberg will have to at some point, lest they stay in the AHL and, and then continue to dominate there. And at the end of last season, we saw a long stretch of play where Ville Hanel didn't get into a game for over a month because the Jets kept him on their taxi squad and didn't use him. That's the kind of thing that you're going to look for the Jets to stop in making sure that their top prospects get playing time moving forward. I think that maybe one of the concerns, that was a good monologue. That was well, well said. The, concern maybe is that you look at the cap situation and DeMello and Dylan are signed for the next three years and Pionk and Schmidt are four years and Morrissey is longer than that and you're like well where's the entry where do they go where are they going to fit into this lineup yeah that's a perfect question because the Jets are very much in a win now position you know for all the Sammy Niku consternation when you have the guys you just named on your blue line and you have Nathan Bowley as a, as a seventh defenseman and you have prospects like Hanla and Sandberg marinating in the AHL I mean Sammy Niku is an acceptable casualty towards the Jets present day success but like you say you have so many players with term on their contract right now and so when are they when are Hanla and Sandberg going to get their chance I've never seen the Jets to be that team that are going to pa- package their absolute top prospects for a bona fide existing star. So I think back to that Mark Stone speculation in 2018-19, you know, phenomenal Winnipeg-born developed player um, who Vegas traded a top prospect in Eric Brandstrom to Ottawa to, to make that trade happen. I don't think Winnipeg had the appetite to, to give away its best at that time. And I think philosophically, I wouldn't expect the Jets to trade Hainala and Sandberg, for example, for the next Mark Shifley or something. That's just a made-up example. But I don't think that's how the organization looks at it. I think that they are really looking for that long-term success and, and the next window of players after the one that they have now. So then what do you do, to your question? Well, you know, I think that you need to look at veterans 
who perhaps don't live up to their contract, which is possible, and then be ready to pull the trigger on those those moves when the time comes. So, you know, Nathan Bowie is going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season. That makes one job, albeit a depth one on the Jets' blue line. And then you might look at, well, Dylan DeMello, who I happen to think of as a perfectly functional top four defenseman. If he's making $3 million on that third pairing, uh, there might be a, a room to move him. If one of Brendan Dillon or Nate Schmidt don't excel in the top four roles that they've been projected to, um, they, they may move on as well. And like we just saw Nate Schmidt so highly t- touted out of Vegas, just a phenomenal player, a burner, a puck mover. Um, didn't really fit in in Vancouver and moved on after one year as well. So for me, it's about making those difficult decisions, moving veterans when Villa Hainala and, and Dylan Sandberg have just knocked on the door so hard it's been kicked down uh, and then making room for them by moving veterans for them. That's my best guess. All right. So let's, while we have a few more minutes here, look ahead to maybe the only real battle at training camp, and that's the fourth line, right? We, you mentioned Vessel Line and competing for a third line spot on the wing with Lowry and Kopp, and you basically have then Gustafson, Riley Nash, Dominic Toninato, and Jansen Harkins battling for the fourth line. Is that how you see it? That's exactly how I see it. I think you've named exactly the players uh, that, that I'm looking at for those same jobs in kind of that same order. Like, I don't think of Christian Veselainen as a, a perfect mold for that third line, if I'm being honest. He's certainly a big player. He's a strong player. He's got a great shot. But even at the AHL level, and definitely in the NHL level, he hasn't quite been able to use the skating and hockey sense to put himself in positions to use that shot. And so I wonder if he'll be a bit a step behind when, when Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry are looking to cycle in and, and work the puck into the, to the middle. I mean, it would take a step forward from him, is, is what I'll say on that front. At the same time, if he does work out with that package in terms of size, strength, and all of that, then that's a phenomenal third line. Um, if Vestalainen is unable to do that. Then you look at other alternatives. Riley Nash, the veteran, 32 years old, not a burner anymore, but certainly a responsible two-way player, and he's right-handed, which might make him a good fit on that third line. Jansen Harkins has the most speed out of any of those guys, so if you're looking for a Brandon Tanev replacement, he's not quite that player, but he's certainly the fastest and probably the most aggressive four-checker. I think David Gustafson is likely to be on the fourth line in that mix, just using his defensive responsibility. And then Dominic Toninato, who scored that double deflection to beat Edmonton in game one is also in the mix, perhaps as a 13th forward. Um, these are the battles contracts will dictate a lot of it. And, and I think those are the guys exactly like you've named them. And then up front, it's just a matter of the combination. Are we going to get Connor Wheeler Shifley? Obviously not in game one because Shifley is still suspended, but the, the, there's that. And then there's Dubois, Ehlers and Stasny on line too. Uh, is Dubois full first season with the Jets, full first camp with the Jets, maybe the number one storyline for this team right now? I think so, because you look for anything that might surprise you or stun you or have a major impact, and you kind of know what Mark Scheifele is going to bring. You know what Kyle Connor is going to bring. But Pierre-Luc Dubois struggled, despite all of his abilities last year, all two weeks of quarantine, an injury in his second game, an injury late in the season as well. It didn't really work out for him. So his first full season with the Winnipeg Jets is his chance to show, okay, well, I'm not that season. I actually have three other years of track record where, you know, he was a second-line center bordering on first-line impact at times. 
And that's the player that Winnipeg will need. So I think of him as an X factor. If he plays up to that level of the potential everybody has in mind for him, the forward group goes from good to great and, you know, a league leader, perhaps. If he continues to sort of disappear for long stretches as he did last year, well, then maybe the vaunted Winnipeg Jets offense needs help in, in, in other ways. But I definitely think he'll get a long look in that top six and, and, and we'll see probably similar combinations to what we've seen. Because even the other day, Paul Maurice was telling reporters that he likes being able to get Nick Ehlers against um, various defensive combinations, which, which I interpreted to mean we're not necessarily going to see Ehlers on the top line right away. We might see him on that second line once again. Rod, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. I look forward to many chats coming up throughout the course of the season. Me too, Christian. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain.